got what appears to be a dynamite sound. I am a blessed man of God, and the Lord has blessed me to do the things that I do. And so nothing just happens in my life. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the sixth episode of the Red Herring Podcast. I am your host, Red Herring. I'm joined today with a good friend of mine, Sister Vasha Tolbert. Uh, Vasha, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself before we begin today? Hey, Jared. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, so my name is Vasha Tolbert. I am a Florida native. I am 29 years old. Um, I am active in my church. Um, I have just kind of been um, one of the instrumental voices for the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I am, you know, all for unity and diversity. Um, so I'm excited to see the changes that come out of um, the Black Lives Matter movement. So you've started something. I wouldn't say you've started something, but you're with the movement in our city, right. especially. Right, so can right. you tell us a little bit about what you've been doing? So uh, me and my good buddies, George Torres and Brandon Robertson, we've organized a few protests both in Fort Myers and in Lehigh. Um, we actually have one coming up this Saturday, June 27th at 1130 at Roberto Clemente Park. Um, again, that is at 1130. If you'd like to come out, we're going to have a few of our uh, local candidates who are running for school district along with um, a few mayor candidates. Um, so if you'd like to come out and kind of get a glimpse as to you know what their policies are and what they stand for, we encourage you to do so, especially with election season right around the corner. We'll, we'll also have uh, voter registration available. So if you are not registered to vote or if you need to update your voter registration, we encourage you to come out as well. We'll be mo uh, marching afterwards. So um, if you are into that and if you need some therapeutic ways to kind of get some steam off your chest, we encourage you to join us again this Saturday. That was perfect. It was almost like it was like scripted. It's like you've said that a couple of times. <laughs> no. So one, one thing I do got to say, you are very passionate about this issue because, well, to be marching in right. Florida at right. this time, in this part of this year, in this heat, you have to do It's because you, you love it. I mean, it's got to be something you care about. But why is this hit so home for so close to home to you? Well, I mean, you, you know, Jared, I have um, I've been arrested before. I, okay. I have a, you know, a past of traffic violations and uh, part of that, a large part of that, I believe resulted in racial um, profiling because of the type of vehicle that I have. Right. Um, you know, so, so I've encountered racial profiling and the injustice that kind of stems from racial profiling um, up, you know, up close and on the first hand. So um, it's always been something that's passionate for me. Um, I think just watching a black man die, you know, it really ignited me. Um, I have a black brother. I have, you know, my dad is black. My mom is black. So, you know, it's just standing up for what's right is always something that's that I hold close to my heart. Right. Now, I mentioned to you earlier, and I'll mention again for the pod, that I believe the black women in this America, in America, in the whole country, right. they're the backbone of the Black Lives Matter movement. Okay. Um, I think that without you guys pushing it, um, it, I mean, it wouldn't go nowhere, and that's 100%. I mean, black men can do, you know, whatever they, you know, can do as much as they can, but right. having a black woman support the movement really, uh, really pushes it, my, like, you know, to another level. Right. My, right. my question though to you, um, do you feel that? black women and you could say this personally or on a, on a large scale yeah. get the same support from black men that black men get from black women i would say yes and no okay i think that black men they admire us you know they want the best for you know us as black women the reason i would say no is because a lot of times what we want isn't always conveyed in actions 
Okay. You know, and the, you know, like um, I did a live or Zoom yesterday or the other day on uh, my Facebook, and one of the things that I brought up was. We're not making black women wives anymore, you know? We're having more baby showers in the black community than we are weddings. And, you know, our black men has forsaken the family. And we want to see wealth in the black community, but there's no wealth in the black family. So, you know, we're seeing our men not uphold the leadership role that it calls for with being a father and the head of household. Um, so that is why I would kind of say no to that. So, but on that note, yeah. so is that responsibility solely on the men or... Because I, I see it as in 2020, I feel yep. like that, that like, okay, let's, if it was the 90s, I see it where the men kind of chose not to partake in the family. But I, I look at it now where it's more of a mutual thing where like sex just happens, people end up having children and it's there's no intention of ever being a family. So it feels like it's both sides. But wh- my, where do you think that stems from? Like what what is the cause of the basically the broken family? Right. In the black I think it's the culture. Many one of them is the culture another one is the systemic injustice like a lot of our black men are being locked up for petty crimes um in which we're fighting for you know uh legislative changes with that um so it's 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 a number of things and those two being some of those uh things as to why we're seeing a crumble in the black community when it comes to the families but i would say who is more to blame, whether it's the black woman or the black man, as to why the family isn't standing strong um, and taking on that leadership role? Perhaps both, you know, but I, I, I put more blame on the black man because you guys are the leaders, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, you know, too much is given, much is required. And, and that's true. But again, there's this new, you know, the independent mindset now where there's no gender roles in relationship right, right. now. Like you yourself, you're an independent, you're a mm-hmm. strong woman, you know. You, I know you personally, you have a high standard for any man coming into your life, right? right? So, like, even let's say a man does come, you know, into your life. So, for all those who are listening who are Christian, black, and love black (laughs) matters, uh, you can hit Vasha up later. Um, But my point is, you being independent for so long, right? Let's say a man does come into your life. It's been nine years. Nine years. Wow. Jesus. More power to you. That's uh, some power there. But let's say a man does come into your life. Yeah. I don't, me knowing you personally, I don't think you'd be so quick to just let him lead. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, and I think that's with a lot of black women who are either been on their own for so long or the eldest daughters in their family. So they've been the ones that have to like carry the family for so long. Right. Where they've had multiple responsibilities where it comes to a point where they're not so, and and again, I don't think the man is like 100% in charge of relationship. Never have really believed that. Um, the man is like the face of the family, gotcha. but really, I believe it's it is a two-person it's system. It's mutual. Yeah, exactly. And um, on that note, like I don't, I just don't see um, like a, like for you and any other woman, I just don't see a man being able to come in and say he sweeps you off your feet, marries you, whatnot. I think it'd be hard for an independent woman, an independent black woman, to let her walls down to let someone just easily lead and take over like that. See what I'm saying? So yeah. I think like in my past relationship. They were, or she was raised where the mom was in charge, where the mother dominant, everything right. was dominant. So marriage was never going to work out well in that situation because right. one didn't know how to follow. I didn't know how to lead. Right. And it was, it was just, you know, it was a bad situation. Now I see that happening a lot with 
black women they're so independent now where they've got the mentality where they don't really need a man so maybe some men are intimidated by that stature of woman that's why there's not so much of a family um dynamic dynamic anymore because a lot of men you know they didn't have fathers themselves so unfortunately that's a big thing in our community so they don't know how to be a man and then when there's a woman that's so strong and you know built up it's hard for them to like humble themselves to that i will say that um a lot of it has to do with trust okay you know in the dating process and i i y'all probably gonna kill me but i really don't date people past 30 days you know within 30 days i'll know if it's something that i'm serious about pursuing and if Mm -hmm. that person is a fit candidate after the 30 days i don't give them like an eviction notice but it's just pretty much yeah number. no i wouldn't block yeah. them i just tell them like i'm to that you stage have i have them. a meeting with them and just say oh. hey you know i really appreciate your services but um wow <laughs> so you send them that termination email <laughs> termination. <laughs> jesus within 30 days wow you know because i'm careful with my time right you know so for me and i'm sure this is the same case with other independent women um black women um we just want to be able to trust that you are able to lead. And of course, you know, in the beginning, they're going to be fumbling and they might not lead the way that we want them to lead. But if we find someone or if someone finds us who's able to take the, that uh, role upon themselves and take the reign, um, we'll, we'll, we have to work towards allowing them. You know, it's going to be a struggle because that same man has to understand, hey, she's been doing this for a while. And I think the problem, too, is the men have to get, you know, in their mind, hey, you know, she doesn't need me. Right. And that's okay. You know, like, you guys have to want a woman who doesn't, per se, need you, but wants you there. Right. You know, okay. and that has to that has to be okay with you. That's a good point. Let me ask you this question. This is a question I've been asking some people for the last week or so. Now, you're a single woman. You're dating. Can you date, maybe not you personally, but yeah. can you date multiple people at one time, but not being in a relationship with no, any of them? No, that... I had a conversation with a singles ministry. I had a singles ministry within my mm-hmm. um, church, and uh, one woman who was single at the time, she mentioned, you know, not putting all of your eggs in one basket. Well, for me, when I'm, whenever I'm dating someone, that's if you're dating with a purpose, I should say. You know, if you're out here casually dating, then this might not apply to you. But if you're dating with the purpose and you're dating with the intention of um, marriage, mm-hmm. you wanna you wanna treat the dating stage just like how you would if you were actually in a relationship with them. The same thing that you would want to be uh, fulfilled in a relationship, such as trust, honesty, um, time. For me, I, I don't I don't date multiple people. Okay. Um, I date that one person and I move on. You know, right. hence the thirty days. Uh, I try not to to date multiple people at the same time. And that's fine. I mean, it's all perspective and yeah, how people yeah. choose to do it. So after the thirty day eviction notice, you just <laughs> yeah, they're they're done. They get pink slipped. They're out of there. Yeah, they're out of there. Okay. So it so with that. There's a lot of women that have that mentality. I don't know if it's like a 30 day. No, that this is new to me. But oh, it is. There's okay. A, I, I mean, again, I'm maybe not they a got like woman. the 90 day. I've heard the 90 day because at my job, if you're not performing well within the first 90 days, we cut you. So it's kind of like the same thing. Like you're basically doing that, like the probationary well, period. Well, see, the thing is, with the 30 day, you don't even have the job yet. You well, know, well, that's no benefits. I'm no, still vetting yeah. you. You yeah, know, I'm still vetting you. Like I got to do background checks and everything. Right. Well, because I, I know everybody likes to. 
what's it called, put their best face forward in the first, you know, couple weeks, mm-hmm. first month or so. So do you think that's enough time, 30 days? Do you think I think it's a- enough time to see if you want to um, continue the second month and third month because the Bible says guard your heart. Right. So that's one way that I kind of um, guard my heart. I don't, I try not to get too emotionally attached and by doing so, I try to minimize they're, you know, uh, the whole courting stage to 30 days. Now, let me ask you, does that, if you go into it, and again, I'm not trying to change the way you date or the way you, you know, do things, but with going into it with that mentality where it's 30 days, it, is that like, are you locked in on that? Is that maybe possibly guarding your heart, not saying too much, but right. not allowing yourself to open up to a certain individual or a certain someone because you're locked in on that 30 days. Like once this month, once this month and a half is done, he's gone. So I'm not going to allow myself to be emotionally available. No, I've him. been emotionally available um, to, okay. to people. I, there's been one guy actually who made it past 30 days. I didn't go in. I never go into it with the intention, hey, you know, after 30 days, I'm going to cut them off. No, it's like, hey, within 30 days, I'll know if this is a, a reasonable um, and solid candidate, not just for me, but for my daughter. Gotcha. You know, there are certain characteristics that you'll start seeing within that time frame. Okay. Um, I don't openly say, hey, you know, I'm giving you 30 days to prove yourself. <laughs> it's not proven within 30 days and it's a no-go for me. It's more like, hey, I'm giving you 30 days to kind of see um, what your character is like, if you're consistent. Um, because believe it or not, a lot of people who are dating, you might in the first week hear from them three times, you know? So right. is that someone that you want to continue pursuing a relationship with in the long run? Now, you, of course, you know, you have a daughter, you know, Charlie Elise. Right. Um, so is this some principles? I know she's young, but these same principles you are carrying now, is it too young? Or is she too young for you to start implementing those into her? Or are you waiting for a certain age? Yeah, I'm waiting a certain age. Okay. Um, I haven't really yet um, introduced a male figure um, to her. Mm-hmm. yet so I'm still waiting I feel like right now is a little bit too premature gotcha she's still vulnerable and we still have some groundwork to do right um, between the both of us before I bring in you know a male figure into her that's life res- that's respectable yeah um, now is she involved in your Black Lives Matter movement do, does she get to see that side of you or is that something you try to separate and not let her see I try to have balance um, okay. like she helped make a poster um, she made like her own Black Lives Matter poster. She never used it. Right. Um, but she made her own poster. And I try to explain to her exactly what's going on um, in the world. It's like the other night we went to a city council meeting and we were there for like five hours. Waiting. She was with you. Yeah, she was with me. Um, and she was, she didn't understand like why we had to be sitting here for five hours. Right. And I explained, you know, it's something that is very important. Um, something that could positively impact her future. Right. You know, so I try to have balance. I try to tell her what exactly what's going on, mm-hmm. you know, but at the same time, uh, not too much, you know, to right. where it's going to... You don't want to overwhelm her at a young age. Right. I don't mm-hmm. want to overwhelm her at a young age. See, um, you know, I have two kids, you know, my kids. My plan is to implement some of these things that are going on with them. I mean, my daughter will be four. My son's, you know, just turned two, two and a half. Right. But... I want them to know young what, you know, what kind of things I went through. Right. So, like, there's certain things like the movement, of course, my daughter's too young to understand. I think your daughter's old enough to understand. Right, right, right. But that's going to go to my next question. Do you teach them now 
their role in this? Do you teach, like my son will know that he's perceived as a threat to America. I've said it before, my son will be a black man. He is a black man. He's perceived as a threat to the country. So even though he's two, two and a half, going to be three in October, as soon as I can start teaching him that son, like you are a threat to them, right. don't let them, you know, do this. Don't let them treat you any kind of way. And the same thing I want to treat, I want to teach my daughter because, like, I believe black women are exploited as well. Right. And I, I kind of want to talk about that with this with you too about the colorism um, um, aspect where light, lighter skinned women seem right, to be right. treated better than darker Dark skinned skin women. women. Now, is that something that you've experienced? Because, like, you are a darker woman, right, not, right. you know, and my daughter. Um, is like my complexion, if not lighter than me. Right, my right. I was very light. So is there a difference that you've seen your entire life or is it something that has now, since everybody's yelling colorism, is that something that now is starting to manifest or is it something that um, you've always seen? I think colorism, I mean, it, it, it's a thing. It does exist and I feel like it needs to be broken within the black community because, you know, to other races, you're still black no matter right. what color of black or shade of black you are as far as the black community we're coming to realization hey we're all black they they you know the oppression affects all shades of black you know so when the black community comes together and reason amongst ourselves and say hey you know no matter what color you are no matter what shade you are we are all affected by the same thing we all have a common enemy um, so I think it's up to the black community to kind of eliminate colorism. Right. Um, it is a thing. And I feel like right now it doesn't need to play a part. You know, it doesn't support the cause. But it's still coming up. I see it come up a lot where, you know, where people are being cast in films and it's like great to see black representation. Right. But then people are getting upset because the actress or the actor isn't dark enough. No, so. I don't agree with that. Like Meghan Markle. I love Meghan Markle. Mm-hmm. Some people are like well she ain't black it's just she's considered black right you know so it just the whole royal family treats her like as and now her black. mom is yeah. black her dad is white yeah. when she marks her application she's marking black you right. know um mixed the mixed race is identified as black people right. so i mean we it's it's not up to us to, to identify people as black if they're black they're black and we have to be open enough to accept them um, as they are, right. you know, I just think I'm just gonna be honest. I just think it's ignorant. I think it just drives more division in more something division, that's already right. like unstable so far. How does it? Do you feel like you're not represented if you don't see a darker skinned woman in a movie? Do you just see a black woman, or do you are you offended if it's a light skinned woman? I just see a black woman. Right. Okay. Um, I just see a black woman. Right. Um, I can't. I don't consider myself to be pro black. Well, you know. It, just certain things ain't black enough no so you're not pro dark black pro (laughs) semi-black you're just pro black right like i i I, um i just don't i just think that kind of um intellect drives more division right you know and and we can't say well you know whites are being um are targeting us when we're targeting each other true you know so um i kind of feel like that though that colorism thing I kind of feel like, and I can't prove this, yeah, I don't yeah. know if it's true, but I kind of feel like it's a it's a topic that's spread by the enemies or those who are opposing the Black Lives Matter. Because again, if you can keep the black community divided, uh, divided and unstable. Divide and conquer. Yeah, you know? that's exactly what it is. And th- yeah. that's exactly what it is. Um, yeah, that's, that's, how I, that's how I perceive it. It's just a, another method to divide and conquer. Right. You know, and keep us focused on things that are just completely irrelevant. Now, you were saying earlier before we started recording that 
you believed God was pro-choice in certain matters. Yeah. Can you explain that a little sure. bit? Um, They're going to find this clip for like 25 years and 25 <laughs> years. Like, remember what you said? <laughs> no, I, I definitely believe that um, God was pro-choice. And my reason for that, because, you know, I, I pray to God about it, you know, because when we read the Bible, we read the Bible, we meditate, and we draw our own interpretation from it. That's, That's what true. having a relationship with God is. Um, to where he's able to show you things and might, he might not show someone else that. It, it depends on our heart, our mind, where we're able to um, handle our capabilities and what we're able to perceive. So for me, um, it started with the Garden of Eden, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He told Adam and Eve to not eat from the tree. Why would he even put the tree there? You know, if, if it was something that he didn't want Adam and Eve to eat from. And it kind of brought me back to abortion. Um, I believe that he kind of took the stance of pro-choice, where we have the choice to, to make the wrong decision and suffer the consequences of that. Um, I, That's actually a really good view of that. That's a, I've never heard like a, a, a person of the church just like say that like that. So that's, right, that's a really how good I angle see it. to and look this, at that. And this is coming from someone who's going to have an abortion because as you know, I was going to have an abortion with Charlie. Right. And when, as she gets older, there's something I'm going to explain to her. I'm thankful that I didn't have an abortion. Cause I want to hear that conversation. I yeah, I'm like, going to, hey, I'll record it for you. Mommy almost didn't want you. <laughs> mommy definitely didn't want you. Not almost. I didn't want you, you know. And it wasn't because, I had nothing against the kid. You know, I loved you know, life too much to allow a life to enter into this world and me not be able to take care of it. Right. I just felt like I wasn't a fit mom. I didn't a, know what I was doing. That's a lot of women Yeah, have, so you know? when we attack abortion um, in the church, we, 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 we need to attack it from um, the stance that God took, you know, yeah. educating people and, and letting people know, hey, you know, this is a choice. Well, I think that the church in general should yeah. take that stance on everything that it preaches. Um, you know, for instance, like, you know, talking about, you know, the gay rights LGBT, and whatnot. Right. Yeah. Like if we're constantly bashing, you know, homosexuality, right. I'm not you know, for that. How do you, how do you think a homosexual man or homosexual woman will feel who just wants to come to church? I'm not saying don't preach on sin, you know, preach whatever the, you know, the God, God tells you to preach. But if we're constantly attacking a certain thing, you know, constantly attacking, you know, sex, you know, right. drug use, whatever it is. You know, I don't think that's how you win a soul. You know, that's not, you know, what's the Bible say? You know, through loving kindness, I've drawn you. Right, right, so right. So that I think if if everyone can take that same stance that you have right there where you put, it's it's empathy. It's putting yourself in their shoes to see how they feel, right. you know, and how would they feel in the situation. And understanding that we're not God. Right. You know, like, we don't have a heaven or hell to put people in. Exactly. You know, we're just supposed to be mouthpieces. We're supposed say, to be mouthpieces yeah. and we're supposed to be the eyes and the feet of God. So right. what does the eyes and feet of God looks like? The eyes and feet of God looks like love. The eyes and feet of God looks like truth. Right. You know, um, I think with the abortion subject matter, for me, and, and again, I contemplated having abortion and I'm very thankful that I didn't go through with it. And what kind of helped me change my stance on abortion was I educated myself. Right. Well, when I go to the clinic, what exactly happens? How will this child be extracted from um, my womb? You know, so when I started educating myself about how abortions work, my mind slowly started changing, you know, and that's when I actually found a relationship with God. And I had an um, incurable uh, STD. You know, at the time, I didn't really have a relationship with God before. Um, so 
my ultimatum was, hey, you know, I'll keep the kid if you get rid of this disease that they're saying, I, you know, is incurable. And I kept the kid um, and he got rid of the, the disease. So everybody's encounter with, uh, you know, conceiving a life. Um, it's going to be different, but I would encourage those who are contemplating abortion to, you know, just educate yourself. Um, if you have a relationship with God, or if you believe in God, pray to him. Um, and, and just know that we all have choices in life, um, you know, throughout our life. And, and there's consequences for our choices and there's rewards when we make good choices, you know? So that's what my stance is on it. I want to ask you, what do you see as the black woman's role in America today? Um, I think the black woman's role in America, um, it looks, it depends on who you ask, I guess. So um, l- right l- now, let me ask it an easier way. Your grandmother's role in America, her generation right. versus your generation now, how does that, how has that role changed? Right. That's a good question. Um, well, right now, black women, we're taking the reins and we're dominating the entrepreneurship role. Mm-hmm. Like uh, last year, it was reported that black women are the top entrepreneurs. Like we're, we're going into, you know, selling hair online, selling clothes online, apparel online, um, makeup, whatever, um, what have you. So we're, we're actually dominating the entrepreneurship role. So how have the roles changed from what that's been like what 60 years we'll i want to say 60 years yeah 60 years from the 60s to now we we and a lot of us are actually like in um you know mayor positions where we're ruling like um when it comes to the executive authority it, it looks it looks quite different um the black women are, are we're, we're taking a stand we're, we're rising we're educating ourselves we're going to school we're getting our degrees um, and we're, we're not afraid and we're not backing down from leadership positions. So that leads to my next question. Do you think the black woman is represented accurately in America today? Do you think they're because like all you just said, success, yeah. we're lawyers, mayors, we're entrepreneurs. Do you think media, news outlets, you know, movies, TV shows, do you think they represent you well based upon what the answer you just gave me? I wouldn't say movies. I think okay. I think the movies, um, the theatrical um, the department is kind of behind in times, okay. you know, we need to catch them up, but you know, other outlets like social media, um, even the, the television media, I'm seeing a lot more representation, okay. um, when it comes to black women. So I, I do see those, uh, departments being a little bit more accelerated as gotcha. opposed to me catching a movie and not seeing that one black person in it. So would you like to see more okay black women in movies or would you just like to see more um black people represented accurately in in the movies both right okay you know both um i'd like to see more black women in movies and not just in movies but leading roles roles, you know um i'd like to see that and the representation of black women um a little bit more accurate like i think the directors and the story writers and those who are vetting the um or auditioning the people for those roles that they actually go into the black community and and check out the black women you know have conversations with them so they can get the correct depiction of us right um and what i what i mean by that is i don't know if you've seen the movie or no this tv series power i catch a glimpse of it every now and then i've seen parts of the first season yeah it's it's it was like two women one of them was i think white or probably hispanic or something and you know she was dressed so elegantly and her hair and makeup was always nicely uh put together and then tasha the black woman 
her wigs, you know, wasn't up to par. It just doesn't look like the the black woman that you see today. Mm. You know, so even to how they perceive us, and when I say they, I mean white America perceives us. You know, um, in their their perspective needs to be a little bit more broadened. Right. You okay. know, um, the the same the same uh, keen eye that they have for white stylists, they need to have that same keen eye for black stylists. They need to know what how a black woman actually looks and what's right. beautiful okay. you know to us i agree with that so um with with that i mean i guess you know that is a that is a big issue because a lot of these white you know or a lot of these movies are produced right. by white men white women uh mainly white men who like you say they don't they don't know right um, they don't you know, know and i look at even tyler perry films and i guess tyler perry has this bad rep of bad wigs and bad hair pieces so it's like you would think you know, nothing against Tyler Perry. I don't I don't know who he has on staff. I don't right, know. Right, right. But you would think like black production, black lead, black, you know, director, black We'd producer, be more right. it would be more accurate. Right. You know? So that is that would be a problem. And you and I talked a, a while ago, like we're both interested to some degree with um, movies and, and the the construction of movies and right. how they're put together and the impact that um, movies have on its audience, you know, that kind of stuff, it, it's top priority. Yeah. You know, not only does the story writing needs to have good content, but the the people who are in those roles, the way that you, you dress them up, and you know, I'm into my makeup and my wigs. Yeah. I love my, I'm wearing my natural hair now because of quarantine. Or I, whatever. Did, I didn't know. I just yeah, assumed. it's natural. Oh, look at you. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so they need to, to make that a top priority because yeah. when I go to the movie, I want to see a black woman who got on a nice wig. Right. And I, I know, um, do you know Viola Davis? Yes. Okay. So she's probably like the best black actress out there. She's, you think so? Uh, black actress-wise? Yeah, I think it's like her and Taraji P are like up there. Unless you think there's someone... I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'll let you ponder on that. Taraji P. Well, yeah, she, they're they're both really good. They're both really good. Because I, I think Viola has that just that wide range. Where I mean, Taraji does too. I, I really do like Taraji P. Yeah, yeah. But I really love Viola Davis movies. Yeah, and she's really good. She made a comment once because somebody said she's like the black Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep is you know she's a white woman. Right. She's, like, she's very diverse in her, but, in her but role she, play. Right. But she's supposedly the the best white actress out there. She's right. one of the top you know two Beta, or three right. you know and yeah. And Viola Davis said, if, if that's the case, everybody keeps saying this, then pay me like it. And mm. so that's something that I've noticed that like a lot of these black actors and actresses who lead like these franchise films and whatnot aren't paid the same. I don't blame. As, you know what? I, I blame I blame the actresses and the actors, the black yeah. actresses and the black actors, because let me tell you something that's going that that we need to work on um, as black people. We need to value ourselves enough. To, to negotiate properly. But do you think when they do that, they can get blacklisted? The white, because the white people do it all the time. They own the industry. That's the problem to me. No, 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 no. Um, I, I said the other day, I was talking to my homeboys, well, my friends, and... Um, we know what homeboys I, means. <laughs> What's the definition of a homeboy, Jerry? I assume it's a friend. Don't assume. Okay. <laughs> No, so I was talking to my homeboys or whatever, and um, I had mentioned that we we need to start getting comfortable enough in our own skin to ex- to exp- to expose, uh, you know, systemic oppression when it comes to the black community. Well, that's true. There's I no agree. excuse until we start standing up for ourselves. Even if we have to get to the point to where we're bo- boycotting these organizations, nothing is going to change. I thank God 
that, you know, the black community boycotted with Rosa Parks. Because we have to start pushing the envelope. If, if we don't find our lives worthy enough to take a step back and, and, and you know, make those hardcore decisions, well, if, I, if you don't pay me what I feel I'm worth, then I can't do it. That's what the white people do. You know, it's, it's just negotiating. Yeah. If you go to a, a car sales lot, and you know good time well that the car that the sales representative is trying to sell you is way over the the what do you call it the retail price or the the, the price of the vehicle yeah. you will push back on that you know it's just like when you negotiate your contracts whether it be at work you know if if I go into a, an employer and you know ask for a job I don't understand why they would pay a white woman an extra dollar or two because she's white, you know? Right. So being a black person, we have to be comfortable enough in our own skin to expose systemic injustice when we see, sorry, when we see it. That makes sense. And I, and I get that because like I say, when I look at Hollywood directors, producers, right. and, and you know, I'm big on movies, I'm big on Marvel movies, I'm big on all these, you know, I see some, some actors pull a hundred million dollars to do a film while other move, other actors get you know 2.5 million you know to be in the same type of film right and you know it's uh you know it, it's always bothered me a little bit because it's like you know say someone like me who dreams to work in film i feel like if i have the same credentials the same experience and the same abilities as john johnson over here right since he's white he'll get paid more than me right. of course i don't think that's fair but I've always had this fear where it comes to like Hollywood or big, you know, um, big uh, entertainment moguls where it's like if I push and say, well, no, I'm worth this, then you get blacklisted. Right. Like, you know, Harvey Weinstein. And I don't want to go big into the Harvey Weinstein thing, but are you familiar with the name Harvey Weinstein? I've heard okay. about it. So he was the guy who was a big producer of the Weinstein Company. And, you know, he, you know, raised Sexual all assault, these women. Right. Yeah. It got to a point where if you rejected him, you were blacklisted. Where if like you were a woman and he wanted to like touch you and you like put up a fight or said something or told someone, you were blacklisted and never really worked in Hollywood again. And that's the kind of power some of these white men have. In I understand Hollywood. that, Jared. So, but at the end of the day, we gotta we gotta put our priorities where they need to be at. And what I mean that. is, we can't be so tied into making a quick buck that we allow the systemic oppression to continue. I can agree you know with that. what I'm saying? Like, and that's why we are where we are today. It's because people weren't willing to stand up and say, "Hey, no, this is wrong. You can put me on whatever list you want to put me on. I'm gonna t I'm gonna expose this to NBC two, CNN. You know, so we the same." way that we expect the whites and the Hispanics to take a stand for us we have to start doing that for ourselves or it's going to continue to 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 happen it will continue to see the systemic injustice occur until we stand up and say hey you know we're I feel like whenever we don't address these systemic injustices we we give them more power that's true we allow yeah. the oppression to occur you know, so if we see this this kind of stuff occurring, we have to be comfortable enough in our own skin again to just address it. Now, let me ask you this, and this will be my little last talking talking point, and then I'll let you go. What's America look? What's the perfect America look like for you for your daughter? So she's nine, right, or eight? Eight. eight. Yeah. So in about ten years, she'll be an adult. What what do you think needs to happen between now and by the time Charlie is an adult and on her own in America? What needs to happen? What needs to take place? What I am fighting for and what I believe needs to, to happen is um, financial equality and equity, liberation for the black community. What does that look like to me? Uh, when my daughter goes, you know, if she has to 
apply for student loans. I don't want her to be marginalized because of her race. Gotcha. You know, yep. I don't want her to be rejected on a job application because of her race. You know, I don't want her to get pulled over um, and possibly killed because of her race. Right. You know, so the equality needs to be just that. It needs to be equal. Um, I saw a statistic today that said that um, black people are two and a half times more likely to die from COVID-19 and two and a half times more likely to be killed by the police. You know, so that that's that's a that's a huge increase you right. know to other races so for me um we need to see equality um judicial equality civil equality we need to see social equality and we also need to see equity whether that comes in the form of reformations where they start paying us back for you know our ancestors being slaves we need tangible changes we need tangible um financial growth mm -hmm. because if if you really want us to to get ahead if you really want to make things right put us on the same um equal playing field i wanted to ask you something before we end this though yeah, how fine. do you feel um the church the church's role has affected the black lives matter movement do you feel like the church's voice is, you know, being heard? No, I don't. I don't think the church is doing enough as a as a whole. Um, I kind of went in that with with uh, Robbie a couple weeks ago. I don't think, like I've said before, the church in the '60s was led by Dr. King, and he wasn't just a reverend, but he was in the streets marching and doing all, you know, all the protests, all the rallies, speaking to the cops, speaking to the community. Right. He wasn't preaching in the church; he was preaching out in the streets to everybody. Right. I just feel like. Like now, the church, this is the time where, you know, some people are like, well, we, you know, we don't have to post. We don't have to be out there. I think now is the time. Like now is the time to do it. There is there is no churches open. You know, everything's shut down. I think now is the time to be protesting, you know, and I think they should be on the front lines because, like, how are you going to um, advertise that you are a sanctuary for, you know, black communities and black issues and black lives? But when this happens, we're not out there. That's why I've said before the gangs are so much easier to join for you know young black youth because in the time of need the gangs are out there in the streets right. the gangs are there fighting for equality gangs are at protests gangs are holding up signs gangs are marching when the church isn't now there might be church members but like a as a collective as, yeah, as a as a pastor saying you know i will stand here and representing my sheep because my sheep are black my sheep look like the same men who are being murdered right this hurts me I'm out here. You know what I mean? That's I feel as though, because um, I've been on the front lines for about a month now. Right. And as an individual. As though. an individual. Yes. yes. Thank you for clarifying that. As an individual. Right. Me and my sisters, we just hauled up, went out, got our signs, and we, right. we were out there. Um, not only was I kind of disappointed with the local um, representation of black men, but I was more concerned and disappointed and i want to express concern with you know the lack of the body of christ like one there was one instance when i was protesting and um the demonstrators you know they're angry mm -hmm. people are are really upset and they don't have the peace of god just to, to channel that anger you know we know as believers the bible says you know be ye angry but sin not we know these things we we have 
from Genesis to Revelation, so many different tools and scriptures that we can pull from to, to channel that frustration and anger. But when it comes to the world and their ways of processing and their ways of rel- relinquishing that anger, they don't have those same standards that we abide by. So my question was, well, who's going to be the voice for these people who are going to um, kind of encourage them to relinquish that anger, that anger healthy you know in a healthy manner um and and i didn't see a lot of representation from the body of christ you know so for me it was a concern because you're right um with the first civil rights movement it was the pastors who were out there you know raising their voices and, well, and even speaking from the, from the uh, it, word of god during the, the slavery um, riots and revolts revolution the revolutions and all that all, all them they were based on biblical principles biblical principles harriet tubman, harriet tubman you was know moses to these people right you know, everything was built on you know biblical the, the, the principles Bible and christ and all of that so when the civil rights movement came around in the 60s it was just a new age version of the same thing right standing on god being the face and being out in the public right but it's like now it's like black lives matter i feel like the church wants to be so removed from black lives matter like they respect the movement but they don't want to be connected to it and i feel like that's an issue i feel like that's in our city alone we have so many black ministries we have i told Rami we probably have a hundred different black churches in this community why aren't there more representation and they're, they're young too it's not like 80 90 year old preachers right. and deacons and it's it's young people who but even if they there. can't come out to the protest are they sitting down with the city officials and saying that's what hey, i mean yeah you they know, don't have to be like, in the streets but what are you doing it's definitely yeah. a concern and you know it's something that i had to pray about because i was very disappointed and frustrated you know and um because you're right even before you know history our history books told us you know the people that stood up like harriet tubman and um dr king even in biblical times david you know so many different wars that he had to fight and he drew from the word of god there was moses like you said um even jesus you know like he led his own people Mm -hmm. you know so there was paul was another one so for me i came into it with the expectation hey you know not only do do we need to to you know preach and teach the word of god but we also need to stand up for what's right and and for me it looked a little bit different you know um we got to be able to stand up not just in the pulpit but also in these streets yeah you know where the souls are where the souls are and even if they never come to church it's not always about getting people in the doors it's about getting people to christ you know so even if they never come to your specific ministry it doesn't mean that their soul was not positively impacted by the light that you show this year this year has been kind of crazy for some people but it's been crazy since what this year is definitely revealing you know 2020 vision what does that look like it looks like the revealing of people's hearts and minds you know um i think i think uh in a large part we're seeing how people really are you know like where people truly stand um with, with with vital issues you know um so that that for me is something that I've just kind of been um, aware of. And one thing that has kind of helped me to not be as frustrated as I was, was lower my expectation, you know, just change my expectation. Maybe God isn't calling everybody, you know, um, in the body of Christ to the front line. Maybe they are doing something behind closed doors that, you know, they don't feel comfortable revealing that's going to help, you know, with, with, um, advocating for social justice i always feel like that's an easy out though 
Maybe. I mean, you I'm know, trying to think of it as positive. No, I, I, don't. I know. But, like, I've seen enough where it's, like, I, it's always funny to me where it's, like, well, God hasn't told me to do that. But it's always something you didn't want to do from the get-go. Where it's, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> not the get-go. Yeah, well, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> you country boy. I'm not sorry. the get-go. <laughs> but, like, you didn't want to do it from the beginning. Anyway. Yeah. But you now, didn't want to do it anyway. Now you're saying, oh, well, God didn't tell me to do it. You don't You don't want to do it. That's right. what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what I see. Like, they use it as a lot of, like, a big example. Like, so. So that's that's what's bothered me but yeah that's it's been on my mind heavy seeing the lack of ministry's presence in certain issues right. like this yeah but you i know? will say bishop td jakes he has been addressing it yeah um like like major like he's been teaching preaching every sunday Good. like we've been yeah. to talk about it again yeah. you know there's a local <laughs> pastor pastor daniel at big three church um, who I actually met on the front line protesting. Yeah. He came up um, during the first Lehigh protest and introduced himself, and he mentioned that he was a pastor and he was going to address racism with his church. He's a white man, too. Yeah. And his congregation is um, uh, diverse, but predominantly white, I would say. And I was like, well, you know, if you're going to be talking about it, I'd love to be present. Right. So I attended, and his whole sermon was about how black lives do matter and what that means. Wow. You know, and how believers, we can't have racism. So it's, it is it is happening, um, just not from the people that I expected. Right. You know what I I'm saying? You. Like, the people that I expected to, to kind of stand up for it aren't, and the people that I didn't expect, you know, or are... On the front lines. Right. So yeah. that kind of puts the movement in, you know, it shifts the perspective of the movement, too, because we're not fighting black versus white. We're fighting racism versus right. everyone else, right. you know? That's so you you might think just because this person is black that they're against the same cause, that they believe and understand that black lives matter and why black lives matter. But just because they, they skin folk, not all skin folk are kin folk. So what does that mean? Just because they're black doesn't mean that, you know, they're for the cause. Right. And they, they have a, a woke understanding as far as how um, vital this this you know, social impression, social oppression is and racial oppression is. Those are some good points. Um, anything else you want to add before we close out? No, thank you so much for having me. Did you have any questions for me? No, I'm, I think I'm good. <laughs> I'm going to have to bring you back one of these days. <laughs> really? Um, where can the people find you at? Uh, they can find me at Vasha Tolbert on social media, uh, Facebook, Snapchat, and that's V as in Victor, A S as in Sam, H A Tolbert, T O L B E R T. All right. Uh, thank you for coming on. Um, and everybody listening, I thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Red Herring Podcast. Thank you, guys. Continue to subscribe, like, share, retweet these, post these wherever you can. Help me build this following. And uh, always remember, you know, Black Lives Matter. Being pro-black isn't anti-white. Um, all lives do matter, but we're focusing on the black lives right now because no one else seems to be. I love you all. Be blessed. And uh, red out. Bye.